<clears throat> Welcome everyone. Today is a very auspicious day. Sunday, of course, is Rosh Chodesh Sivan. And Shabbos is Erev Rosh Chodesh. And today is Erev Shabbos, and in a certain sense also Erev Rosh Chodesh, because this is our last opportunity in certain regards for certain tefillahs before, before Shabbos. In any event, I want to speak to you about Parshas Bamidbar. If I could take the opportunity, if anybody uh, wants to be Mishtatif in upcoming Svarim, uh, we have two coming up, um, and the third one I'm going to tell you about by, by uh, the share later. But we're uh, we, we're working on Rabbi Meir Elakadamir Anini in English for Art Scroll for this coming Chanukah, and then Alagva Oimer, the fire and the soul, the fire and the soul. For Lag Ba'imer Tavshin Pei Dalit, if anybody would like to Mishtate, if that is available. Okay, Parshas Bamidbar. So the Pasuk says in Parak Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, Ela Taldois Moshe Ve'aharain. These are the children of Moshe and Aharain. Biyoim Diber Hashem El Moshe. On the day that the Almighty spoke to Moshe. Very interesting pasuk. And then it goes on to tell us the children of Aaron, and it doesn't tell us the children of Moshe. These are the children of Aaron and Moshe, and it tells us the children of Aaron. It doesn't tell us the children of Moshe. Rashi says the children of Aaron are called the children of Moshe. Why? Anyone who teaches his child's friend Torah, it's like he gave birth to him. <clears throat> so, okay, that is a beautiful idea. You know, there's a famous story that somebody once came to Rabbi Rucham and he wished him Mazel Tov on his son's Bar Mitzvah, and then he wished him Mazel Tov again. He said, the first Mazel Tov is for Yolada, you gave birth to him. The second one is Ke'ilu Yolada. Because you taught him Tyra, so it's as if you gave birth to him. So you get a double Mazel Tov. Here's my question. If we're calling the children of Aaron, the children of Moshe, because Moshe taught them Tyra, then on what day did Moshe give birth to them? On the day that Moshe taught them Tyra. But it doesn't say that. It says, Ela told Moshe, Biyoim Diber Hashem as Moshe. On the day the Almighty spoke to Moshe, that's not when they became Moshe's children. They became Moshe's children when Moshe taught them, not when Hashem taught Moshe. So from here we learn that when does teaching start? Teaching doesn't begin when you teach. Teaching begins when you learn. You need to learn Al-Manas Lil Lilmoid Al-Manas And, that's one Nakuda. And, if you learn on condition to teach, so then you accept it upon yourself to teach, it's like you already taught. We know that when you're Makabal upon yourself to do something, it's like you taught. <coughs> so, in that case, um, in that case, 
Moshe Rabbeinu was accredited with being the, in that case, Moshe Rabbeinu was accredited with being the teacher of the children of Aaron, not not when he taught them, but much earlier, when he learned. Okay. Now this is very Gishmak. We know that the Jewish people were counted from the age of 20 and up. Yeah? Not so, not so the family of Levi. The family of Levi, they were counted from 30 days and up. Right? Interesting. Why will Levi different? So Rashi brings Amr of Hudibrev Shalom that the Shevet of Levi was accustomed to be counted in utero when they're as soon as they're born. Like we find, Rashi says, that when Hashem when the Torah lists the seventy Nefasha, so the Beis Yaakov, but if you count you only have sixty nine. Who is it? who is the seventieth? Yoichavet who is Noilad ben So we see that Bnei Levi were already accustomed to being counted from 30 days. So, so too here, in this count, they're also counted um, from 30 days. And contradistinction to the rest of the Jewish people. So the following idea hit me. Just because the Bnei Levi were counted 30 days in Vayigash, okay, what does that have to do with their counting in Bamidbar? So, just to add insight into this idea, there's a beautiful Rabbeinu B'chaye. Rabbeinu B'chaye talks about the the foundations of the Jewish people, that we are 70 souls, and from there come 600,000. Which is explained as follows. The complete tally of the Jewish people is 600,000, but the roots the Sharashim are 70. So, you know, if you ask, how many Jews are there? Are there 600,000 or are there 70? The answer is, there is a certain fundamental count of 600,000. There's a certain more basic count of 70. We once used that to explain, well, you know, in some places, Chazal say, Shivim Panam Latayra. There's 70 explanations in the Torah. Other places, Chazal say, there's 600,000 interpretations. The answer is, they're both true. There are sixty basic interpretations, and there's se- and excuse me, there's seventy basic, and then there are even they branch out further to six hundred thousand, <clears throat> um, to six hundred thousand. Now, likewise, then we could say as follows: If when the seventy basic souls of the Jewish people were counted at seventy, in that case. Just like there, the Bnei Levi were counted from 30 days and up, so too in the more expansive count of the Jewish people, 600,000, the Bnei Levi are also counted from 30 days and up. But what what we're learning is that there is a certain commonality between the the count of 70 and the count of 600,000. 70 is the basic foundation, and 600,000 is um, a more expansive view on it. Um, okay, let us proceed. If you uh, look at the tally of the Bnei Gershon, the Bnei Gershon were 7,500. And 
I think that number is significant. The Maral writes that Koyen has a gematria of 75 because a Koyen is basically the go-between between the world of 7, which is the world of nature, and the world of 8, the world of above nature. So therefore, Koyen is gematria 75. 75 is the bridge between the natural process and the supernatural. So the zeros in gematria don't really change the fundamental identity of a number. So if the Bnei Gershon were 7,500, that also indicates that their service was such that it bridged the two worlds, the world of seven and the world of eight. Likewise, it hit me that the number of the Bnei Kahas were 8,600, which is fundamentally the number 86, Midas Hadin. Now we know that Bnei Levi were Ben Midas Hadin. Shevet Levi represents Midas Hadin. Hashem even tells Moshe, Hu Aaron will be your spokesman, but you as a Levi, you're Midas Hadin. And Kahas really represented the Leviim in terms of they carried the Aaron and they were the family of of Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. So it could be that's why their number not numbered 8600, 86. And they were stationed in the south. South is Midas HaChesed because it's the right side. North is the left side. Why do Jews go to Florida? Because the, they go to the south. The south is Midas HaChesed. So therefore the, the they had to put the Bnei Levi who is Midas Adin in order to sort of sweeten it, put them in the Temana. Okay, so yesterday, uh, my friend Rabarch Fishlowitz asked me a question, is, is an excellent question, and I never, I never uh, picked up on this question before, and I would like to offer an original answer. We know the sum t- total of the Jewish people was something like 600,000, 603,550. As we know, that corresponds to the number of letters in the Torah, Yeshishim Rebai Oisiyas La Torah, Yisrael. So my friend asked me, wait a second, the count is not even right because the 603,550 did not include the Leviim. The Leviim were another tw- uh, 22,000. So in, in, in truth, there were 625,000 Jews. So how do you say there's 600,000 letters in the Torah? What the Bnei Levi don't get letters? Every other Jew gets a letter in the Torah and the Bnei Levi don't get letters? By the way, you could ask that what happened? The 3,550 don't get letters? You know, the 3,550 may correspond to the Shevet Dun, who some of them were not allowed into the Machana. But another 22,000? So what's Chelek Venachala? Does Shevet Levi get? So my friend Rabbi Fischlitz told me that Rav Zev Lef offered the following uh, really amazing answer that every line in the Sefer Torah has approximately 27 letters. We know that when a Sefer makes, writes a Sefer Torah, he has to make a sirtut, he has to make scratches in order to write on a line. So if every line has 27 letters, and there's 600,000 letters in the Torah. How many lines are there in the Sefer Torah? 
We'll do the math. 603,550 divided by 27 is 22,000. So maybe, Rebbe Lef suggests, the Levium correspond to the lines. After all, don't they keep the Jewish people in line? You know, they're Shomer Mishmeres Yisrael. So while the rest of the Jewish people, they get letters, the Levium get very, maybe, prime territory. They correspond to the Sirtut. I thought of the following approach. I was at a wedding this week. I was speaking with the Shvile Pinchas. And he threw out an idea about a different subject, but then I, that triggered something in my mind. That, you know, the 22,000 Malachi Hashares correspond to the 22 letters of the Alephes. So I said to myself, well, there are also 22,000 Levium. So Kuisei as follows, the letters in the Sefer Torah, they correspond to the 600,000 Jews. But before a letter is written in the Sefer Torah, you need to have the entity of 22 letters. The 22 oisios of the Aleph Bays correspond to the 22,000 Levium. So they're the choicest of the Jewish people. They get the actual entity of the letter. Then when the letter is placed in the Sefer Torah, that corresponds to the 600,000 Jews. So you'll ask, okay, but that doesn't necessarily fit in because there are 22,000 Levium. But it's possible that every letter in the Alephes has a thousand dimensions to it. Case in point, the letter Aleph can mean one. It could also be Elef, a thousand. So every letter has perhaps a thousand dimensions and each Levi was given a dimension of the letter itself. Okay, I want to show with you another idea. Um, you know, Rashi throws out something very interesting. Rashi says, why is Pidyan Haben five shekel? He says, we learned that from Mechiras Yosef. Mechiras Yosef, Yosef was the Bukhar of Rachel. And Yosef was sold for 20 silver pieces, which is the equivalent of five shekel. So since Yosef was a Bukhar and he was sold for five shekel, so therefore, Pidyan Aben is five shekel. Now, I've seen this before in the Medrash. The Medrash maybe implies that somehow Pidyan Haben is a tikkun from Mechiras Yosef. But the Lashon of Rashi, maybe you could say, that the sale of Yosef was in a certain sense a Pidyan Haben. Think about it this way. In Parag Gimel, Pasuk Memvav, we're talking about exchanging the 3,000, excuse me, the 273 B'chayrim for the Leviyim. We're exchanging the 273 extra B'chayrim we were exchanging Levi for Bechayr. There are 22,000 Levium, but there are 22,273 Bechayrim. So for the excess Bechayrim, they're redeemed. Which almost sounds like what was taking place by Mechiras Yosef was we were exchanging Yosef. Yosef was the Bechayr. He was supposed to be in charge. 
by selling him, they were trying to put someone else in charge. Who are they trying to put in charge? According to this, it would come out that their kavana was to replace Yosef with who? Levi. The same way in our parsha, we're exchanging the Bechayrim for the Leviim. And Rashi says, the amount of five is learnt out from Mechiras Yosef. So that means, in the sale of Yosef, we were exchanging Yosef for Levi. Oh, so it hit me. Maybe that's why Shimon was the one most instrumental in Mechiras Yosef. Because since the whole purpose of it was to put Levi in power... Who better to put Levi in power than Shimon Levi? Yeah, who's going to stand up for Levi more than Shimon? I mean, Rashi seems to imply, it never hit me like this, the purpose of Mechiros Yosef was a exchange of Bechar for Levi. So now we know why Shimon was the one who was involved in the Mechiros Yosef. Okay, so these are um, some ideas on the parsha. Good stuff, good stuff. And now, I want to share with you some imponderables. Okay, we have good ones today. 